Welcome to our Transgender School podcast. We're here to talk about diverse transgender identities and experiences so that we can all be better allies and advocates. We'll also discuss current events, welcome guests, and share actions you can take to support trans people. I'm Bridget, and my daughter Jackie came out as a transgender woman about four years ago when she was 19 years old. I was totally unprepared, but I have learned a lot since then. And now Jackie and I are passionate about sharing what we've learned. When I came to terms with being trans, I realized that I absolutely needed to transition, but coming out was very stressful. Now that a few years have passed, things have gotten somewhat easier, and I want to help other trans people navigate their own unique experiences. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 22 of the Transgender School podcast. We have a very special guest with us today. Jackie and I would like to welcome my dad, Bill, Jackie's grandpa. Hey, Grandpa. Hey, Bill. Hi, everybody. <laughs> hey, Dad. And you may know him from a previous episode. I forget the number of it, but we'll include it in the show notes where we had a whole episode with both of my parents about grandparents' support for their transgender grandchildren. And that is one you definitely want to go back and watch if you haven't seen it already. The topic for today is canceling transphobes. Are we doing it? Is it actually a thing? Should we do it? What does it mean? And you probably hear a lot about cancel culture. So we thought it would be a very timely topic to discuss with you. So this all came out of a conversation that I had with my dad, Bill, which is why he's here with us today, because he had a little rant when we had this discussion. And I'm hoping he's going to recreate some version of that rant in just a minute to kind of set up the conversation. And then we'll get Jackie's real-time response to it because she wasn't part of that conversation. But we want to look at this whole idea of cancel culture and especially the idea of canceling people for transphobic comments, tweets, humor, jokes, that sort of thing. We're going to look at a couple of specific examples. We've researched people such as the recent controversy with Brittany Aldean, Jason Aldean's wife, and that, that whole situation and what happened there with his PR firm dropping him probably as a result of that. We can look at people such as J.K. Rowling, Ricky Gervais, Dave Chappelle, and I attended, you may know, attended the Netflix walkout for the Dave Chappelle special, with which some people agree with, some people don't, and I'm totally open to all <laughs> thoughts on that. Uh, but I have a very specific reason why I did that, and it wasn't at all because of his jokes or his humor. So I, we want to clarify some of these things about what's really going on. And so I'm going to turn it over to Bill to just take a couple minutes and remind me and share with all of us what you had to say about the whole idea of cancel culture, because it was really different than anything I had heard. First of all, I think we started the discussion because my thought was that cancel culture doesn't even exist, that we live in a free society where it's a capitalist society, it's a democracy, and people have the right to do what they want, to buy what they want, to listen or not listen to what they want. You know, there's some laws about libel and uh, hurting people, but generally everybody can say whatever they want. You can curse, you can jump up and down, you can scream, you can whisper. So when these people think that they've been canceled, I think they're just suffering the consequences of some action they've taken that's offended a group of people, whether it's trans people or any other group that could be offended. I mean, most groups can be offended. So if I am reading, uh, J.K. Rowling's books. I've read a couple of the Harry Potter books and enjoyed them. But now that I've heard of her take, heard about her take on turfs, which you'll probably explain later and how she feels that, you know, gender is real. It's a hundred percent finite and things like that, that she's hurting trans people, especially trans kids who are sensitive about this, maybe more so than, uh, you know, people that have had more time as adults to adjust to it. And that could be dangerous. So I, choose to suggest to people not to buy her books, don't read her books, don't listen to her comments, and just ignore her. And maybe she'll take that as a sign that people don't really want to hear that from her. They want to hear about the magic ones. They, you know, they don't care about her other stuff. And uh, same with a, a whole group of people that think they've been canceled. A lot of people have been canceled because they've, you know, touched people the wrong way or they've done this or that and they feel it's unfair. I mean, I mean, there's people that have 
like 20 women saying they, they, uh, done something to them. And those people say it never happened. You know, I'm being canceled. They're not being canceled. They're being judged. <laughs> you know, they, that's why this country is full of judges. You know, people have to decide. So, uh, you know, I just was ranting about how people are using cancel culture as a way to cover up for their inappropriate actions or bad viewpoints or, or unpopular viewpoints. And just to give you an example, after hearing about uh, Brittany Aldean's comment and looking at it on Instagram, I also noticed that not only does she have Lara Trump liking her podcast, she also has 208,000 likes for that same comment as of today. So is she being canceled or is she being promoted? Let's get real and call it what it is. It's just people saying what they feel and people responding to it. It's not really canceling anybody. J.K. Rowling still has her billion dollars that she's made from her books and movies. Nobody took that away. Dave Chappelle's still having concerts. And I, you know, I also feel just in terms of Dave Chappelle, they canceled one of his concerts and moved it to another venue because that concert promoter or venue thought that it was inappropriate or it was not good. So he didn't lose his concert. He just moved it. And the person that said, I don't want this at my venue has a right to say that. You know, he's not the government. He's a private business. I don't want this guy saying those things in my venue. So I just feel that cancel culture isn't real. It's something else. You can call it what you want, but it's uh, consequences maybe for what you say and do. And, you know, even in a free society, there's still consequences for doing something bad. (laughs) Do you think that a lot of the people and my my impression, obviously, there's people on both sides of the political spectrum who've been canceled. But it feels to me like there's disproportionately people on one side of the political spectrum who are being, quote unquote, canceled or claim they're being canceled. And I almost wonder if calling it canceling is giving away a certain amount of messaging authority to the right and to the people who claim they're being canceled. Because to your point, if you call it consequences, then it really centers the conversation on what the person did and how it affected people and how that is causing consequences for them. But canceling allows them to frame themselves as the victim. It's, it's a much more righteous framing for the people who, who are participate or who are being claimed they're being victims by it when in reality they're having consequences it it kind of reminds me of how you know we, we were talking about abortion a bit on our last episode and abortion rights and it calling it pro-life is not really right you shouldn't call them pro-life activists you should call them anti-abortion activists because that's what they're that's what they're doing that's what they care about and that's what it really is pro-life is a framing that they chose so i like the new term forced births you yeah, know, there you go. That's what they're really doing. They're forcing young women, like 12 years old, to have forced births and not be allowed to have an abortion. So you can, yeah, that's I another know. way of changing the talk. Also, I, I agree with you to a certain extent, Jackie. And I do think that the right wing does get most of the, uh, you know, they're the ones that are mostly saying, I've been canceled. But the right wing is also banning books. So are they canceling books or are they banning books? You know, I just saw a list of books like Catcher in the Rye and things like that in some southern district where they're taking them out of the libraries of schools. And that's a form of, I guess you could call it canceling if you think it's canceling, but it's censorship. It's it's uh, something else. Yeah. And I would just like to jump in before I forget, you know, to give credit to also my mom, Jackie's grandma, Grandma Kath and Bill's wife. <laughs> we were talking about this on a hike and Kath Googled the definition of cancel. And a lot of the definitions were like to completely destroy, to make obsolete, to bring to nothingness, right? It's a metaphor that people are using that's a totally inaccurate metaphor. As you said, Dad, J.K. Rowling still has a billion dollars, right? Dave Chappelle, even though a lot of us, I will never support Dave Chappelle again because of his, his trans, not his transphobic humor, because of his actual political statements that gender is a fact and his calling himself a turf. I don't want to support him anymore. But if we canceled him, he still got $20 million for his Netflix special, The Closer, right? And a lot more people, to your point too, like more, other people that weren't following him may be following him now because they like that kind of thing and they support that. But he certainly lost 
people who are supportive of transgender people and are allies. So it's like, you may not actually, we're not taking anything away from you. It's just that the people who are following you now are going to be different people. You're not going to, you're no longer going to have people supporting you who are supportive of LGBTQ rights. There's no way in any universe that that equals the definition of what cancel actually means. So it's a totally inappropriate, incorrect, misleading metaphor that to Jackie's point, creates a victim, this idea of victimization, where those people are actually targeting those who are most likely to be harmed by what's being said. Trans people themselves are are likely to be harmed as a result. So let's, maybe we should move into looking at some of the examples. Would that be okay, Jackie and Bill? Or did either of you have more to say on that? Or should we dive right into our friend, Brittany? My last comment about it would be, yes. even though we're saying that, none of us canceled our Netflix subscriptions. No, well, <laughs> but I know a lot of people who did. I know a lot of people. This is where it's tough because some of these cable channels and platforms have a lot of shows that are doing, you know, that like the show Disclosure, right, was really affirming and supportive of how the media is so misrepresents inaccurately and inhumanely represents trans people and brought a lot of positive attention to that. And some of the folks in our circle were involved in that movie and and really made a difference. And Laverne Cox, you know, making such a, a strong statement there and all the folks who were involved in that. And that was Netflix, right? I think so. So, so we, it's tough. We have to look at these things in complex ways, but a lot of people did cancel their Netflix. What I did is I went to the next Netflix protest and the meanest people at the Netflix protest, which was the walkout because of the Dave Chappelle special, were definitely the counter protesters who were screaming at us and shoving signs in our faces and really being aggressive with me and the folks protesting who were protesting peacefully, screaming at us that we can't take a joke. And nobody would have a conversation with me where I was trying to say, I don't have any problem with any of his jokes. It's not a joke to say gender is a fact. It's not a joke to say I'm a turf. I didn't have any problem with any of his jokes. I didn't think they were good or funny. They're racist, they're transphobic, they're homophobic. But it's not appropriate for those people to have said, I'm not allowed to come out and speak against what he said. And they're, they're blaming me for not being able to take a joke when I didn't have an issue with any of his jokes. I had an issue with his political statements that nobody's laughing at. They were just literally uh, political statements against trans people. So, but let's talk about Brittany Aldean. In case you all didn't hear, maybe you did. I wouldn't have probably heard of her until she made herself even more famous, right? Which maybe uh, was the idea. She posted on Instagram, I guess she sells makeup or makeup brushes or something. And she posted herself. I'm looking at it right now, you know, doing her face. And what she wrote in her Instagram post was, I'd really like to thank my parents for not changing my gender when I went through my tomboy phase. I love this girly life. So if we could just take a moment, she has the right to say that, right? No such thing as, she has the right to say that, but a lot of us have the right to say, wait a minute, let's kind of unpack the problematic nature of what you're saying here. You're saying that parents are choosing to change their kid's gender. That doesn't happen. (laughs) No parent is saying, I'm going to change your gender because you're a tomboy. She's conflating being a tomboy with being trans as if her experience of being a tomboy is the same as what every trans person is experiencing. They're totally different, not to be conflated. She clearly is incredibly uneducated about what it actually means to be trans. It's probably never known or certainly never really listened to a trans person, right? Really, really problematic and totally supportive of the hundreds of pieces of anti-trans legislation that are working to take away trans people's autonomy over their own bodies, as Jackie so eloquently talked about in our last post. So what happened was, and then her husband, Jason Aldean, who is the country star, responded with something along the lines of, what did he say? He said, LMAO, I'm glad they didn't too, because you and I wouldn't have worked out. So he's also thanking her parents for not changing her gender, as if that's a thing that parents do. We don't. Our kids come to us and say, you think I'm a boy, but I'm not. I'm a girl. Help. And usually the parents are resistant and fearful and naive about it. And we have to learn and 
have talked about that at length in other uh, in other forums that you can find. So she's just perpetuating these awful, terrible, untrue, false ideas that are so harmful to trans people, especially to trans kids who deserve to be believed by their parents. She never told her parents that she was a boy. She was just a tomboy, which is a very different experience. So what happened as a result is that Jason Aldean's PR firm dropped him. And they said, we wish him the best. It's been wonderful. But, you know, clearly they just did not want to be associated with him and his wife if they were going to be out there saying things like that that just don't need to be said. Why don't you just sell your damn makeup brushes and talk about how you love makeup and you love being a girl and whatever? Why do you have to throw into it a totally unnecessary and false and harmful statement like that? So yay, kudos to the PR firm. They didn't cancel anybody. I'm sure the other PR firms are clamoring to take on Jason Aldean, right? Because he's a huge mega country star. It's not canceling. It's consequences. It's people bringing in other people. I'm sure they probably got even more fans. That that had 200,000 likes, right? So the transphobes and the haters, they're going to get more of those. They're just going to lose, you know, the people who support trans people. Okay, Jackie and Bill, thoughts? Kudos to the PR firm and no kudos to Instagram because the post is still up, still there with 207,000 likes. Whereas Frederick Joseph, a New York Times bestselling author who I follow, was shadow banned by Instagram the other day for posting a reel explaining why not everyone would react with sorrow to the death of the queen because of the United Kingdom's long history of imperialism and death and destruction. So he gets shadow banned by Instagram because a bunch of people report him for calling out imperialism, but her post stays up. It's interesting to see how these things get filtered through the extremely opaque filters that Instagram has to decide what stays up and what doesn't. I see how you feel about that, but I'm glad that Instagram has the power to throw people off, no matter whether am, we agree with too, them or don't agree should, with but them. If they have, I am too, but if they have the power to throw people off, then they should use it righteously. They, they should well, not arbitrarily throw people off for saying things that are true, if difficult, uh, and then leave things up that are totally yeah. harmful and, and yeah. transphobic. It, yeah, but that's what happens when, you know, when people that are independent, they probably have people at Instagram that love what uh, Tiffany, uh, not Tiffany, Brittany Aldean said, you know, so we don't know the people that are making I, decisions. I actually, I actually think it's because most of it is algorithm based because these companies' business models rely on being extremely lean and ha- having relatively few staff compared to the number of people who engage in their product. So, you know, it, a good example is how, you know, Facebook, Meta, whatever you want to call it, this, this conglomerate that owns Instagram and Facebook, they invest exponentially more money per user in actual human beings to review posts in the United States, for example. So like if I, trigger warning, a little dark, but like if I were to film myself harming myself and live stream it on Facebook, that would get flagged really quickly in the United States because they have gotten so much bad press for so many egregious cases of people putting terrible content on their platforms. But if I were to do that in another country, if I were to do that in, you know, somewhere in Africa or South America, somewhere where they have not made a fraction of the investment they have in a lot of wealthier nations, then they're not going to catch it because they've got like two people for the entire country who are reviewing content. So I think it's an example of how subjective the enforcement is and how little there really is because at the end of the day, it's about making money and hiring people to actually review things and make the hard subjective judgments about what gets to stay up and what doesn't cost them a lot of money. It's a lot cheaper to rely on algorithms to do most of it. See that, uh, that Brittany Aldean's, Post got 208,000 likes. So that probably is a lot of people to look at their ads where the New York Times guy probably got 200 likes or 300 likes. So it's, it's not worth defending him to them possibly because of the, the ad situation where they want to get people to look at the ads. Yeah. And by the way, just on that note, in case anybody from Facebook or Instagram is a follower or a fan, we cannot for the life of us get Facebook or Instagram or any of it to allow us to do ads for transgender school, right, Jackie? I mean, we're filtered out. There's a weird issue there where (laughs) usually if you want to run 
ads about social issues, you have to be like a political entity or campaign, but we're not, we're an educational nonprofit, but yeah. just the content that we talk about or not, a, not a it's immediately we're, we're an education, we're an educational organization entity that tries to produce purely educational content, but it, it is filtered through Facebook as political or about social issues. And, and therefore we're not allowed to advertise. So, right. That's fun. So there you go. I, okay. I want to come back to Dave Chappelle for a moment. I know I already ranted about Dave. And by the way, if anybody knows Dave and, or if Dave is listening, we welcome you. Come on the podcast. We will be respectful. His special was so crazy to me because he like really truly believes that he's a trans ally. And he totally talks about, he, he claims, or, you know, seems to claim that he's being canceled, which I don't get how you're canceled when you still have all your fans and you still have your millions of dollars and Netflix didn't, didn't, you know, take your show off. But he tries to humanize himself and say he's a trans ally by talking about a trans woman who he mentored and invited to open his show for him, right? Daphne, I can't remember her last name, Daphne. Oh, that's really complicated. And I won't speak on that personally, but I, I know someone who was very close with Daphne and, and has a lot of issues with, with the way that, that Dave has talked about his relationship with her and talked about that. So I, I would, well, I, again, just, I don't want to speak to that personally, but no, I think that that's, you know, no, I'm just, that's I very, just, I agree with you, Jackie. I just want to say what he said. I can tell you what he says about it. And he's clearly using it to try to tell people that he's an ally because he says he mentored her. What happened is he mentored her. He worked with her, had her open for his, his show. And she, after one of his specials in 2019, when he was accused of being transphobic and having transphobic humor, she went to bat for him and she supported him and defended him. And she got backlash for that from lots of people and, you know, the transgender community. And shortly thereafter, she died by suicide. And so he, in his special, pretty much implies that that's the fault of the transgender community instead of taking any responsibility. And I'm not blaming him. I'm just saying if she wasn't in a position to defend his transphobic humor, none of that would have even happened. And so he makes himself out to be the hero in his special and says, well, he went and created a trust fund for Daphne's daughter, you know, but then he goes on to make a joke and say, I hope I get, I live until she gets the money so I can give her the money myself and say, hey, I knew your father and he was a wonderful woman. I mean, do you have a heart at all? Yes, he has the right to say that. But after hearing him say that as a mother of a transgender woman, I don't want anything to do with him. And that's not canceling. He is going strong. But I just don't understand when you don't have to say that. You could say something else. There are lots of people. I just listened to a podcast where they take trans, they take humor that has been considered offensive and they turn the joke into something that's not offensive. It's called cancel culture or something. And it's so wonderful. And they're like, you can make all kinds of jokes that don't have to be so harmful. It just doesn't have to be that way. He has the right to say it, but we have the right to say, if you're going to say things like that, I don't want anything to do with you. And that's why I went to the protest. And the only reason I went to the protest is because he said, gender is a fact and that's not a joke. That's a political statement that supports the idea that gender is a binary and you're stuck with your gender that you were designated at birth. And it's a fact that's clearly implied in that. And he's teaching that and promoting that as a political agenda to millions of people who are watching. It's not a joke. Yeah, Dave Chappelle in particular just has a record that goes beyond trans people of being an asshole. Like I, this is from NBC News on February 9th, 2022. An Ohio village Monday failed to approve a zoning ordinance that included dozens of affordable housing units after opposition from comedian Dave Chappelle, who called the village council, quote, clowns and threatened his business ventures would be, quote, off the table. So, you know, I mean, this is a guy who's willing to go bully his local city council into killing an affordable housing project because he, what, doesn't want to live next to poor people. So he's I mean, yeah. he's clearly an, an asshole pretty thoroughly through. Yeah. And again, I know some pe folks may be conflicted because he has very poignant and completely spot on humor about racism and important 
statements and remarks about racism that I agree with him on if he weren't going into the territory of completely dehumanizing trans people, I'd be happy to support him. And I agree with his stance on, on the pervasiveness of racism and all that he, all that he says about that. So I know it's, it's hard not to be conflicted and it, it can be confusing. And when people like him, and again, also like JK Rowling, this is where one of the reasons I really wanted us all to have this conversation is because I think it's easy to get confused about who's, who's an ally and who's not because JK Rowling keeps saying she's a transgender ally. She loves transgender people. She has transgender friends. She believes in transgender rights. But then, right? She supports and likes the tweets and the posts of people who are like, virulent, you know, anti-trans, you know, like people like the woman who got fired for refusing to use trans people's pronouns. J.K. Rowling believes in trans rights in the sense that people who believed in separate but equal believed in civil rights. Like that's not exactly she she doesn't. She I think she thinks that because she doesn't think we should all be like put in camps and killed. She supports trans rights. But like there's a little gap between like believing that we're equal human beings and believing that we're not worthy of existing. And that gap is not being an ally, to be clear. Maybe <laughs> maybe while you're on that area of discussion, uh, you should talk about what we were talking about, Bridget, with punching up and punching down. Good. Yeah. You share it, Dad. Yeah. You know, when people are being abused more often than not, like trans people seem to be these days, even going back to Trump saying they can't be in the military and things like that, you know, some targets are so easy and so unfairly open to being that. And then other targets, you know, are a little harder to deal with because they already have a certain amount of rights and privileges. So, you know, a comedian like Dave Chappelle saying things about turf and transgender and things like that is really punching down because he should be punching up at people that are prejudiced against his race, against Asians, against, uh, you know, other things that he's in favor of. And and he should punch up at them instead of punching down at a target that is already having enough problems of its own. So that's punching up and punching down. I don't know. What do you think, Jackie, about that? Yeah, but it's uncomfortable to punch up. Like punching up is is difficult. It's challenging. It exposes you to like ramifications that you may not want to face. Punching down is easy. And as we've highlighted, most of these people who are punching down from positions of, of power and wealth, you know, are not generally affected by the backlash. And if anything, they they gain a new base of support. So I think it's it's a question of like, there's an incentive structure there for people who are in a certain position to behave this way. And there's a lack of accountability and I don't know. I don't know how you get out of that that kind of catch twenty two. Yeah, like Michelle Obama said that we should. When they go low, we go high. You know, <laughs> that's hard to do. <laughs> yeah, easier said yeah. than done. Yeah, yeah. But hey, if Dave, if you want to come talk to us, we, we invite you on the show. We'd be happy to have this conversation with you. Okay, so Ricky Gervais is just like blatant. Like it's not even veiled. You know, he doesn't even try. I mean. He talks about, oh, I love women, but the old fashioned ones, the ones without beards and cocks, you know, that's his, that's his humor. Let's see. Why shouldn't they use your toilets? The toilets are for ladies. They are ladies. Look at their pronouns, right? Their pronouns are like, he just makes fun of all of it. He just dismisses and makes fun of all of it and dehumanizes and you just uses a lot of humor about genitals and, you know, seems almost obsessed with the whole idea, you know, and at the end of this whole rant. Yeah, I don't know. But at the end of this whole rant, he says, you know, oh, in the real world, as if, you know, you're, all these jokes you just told to millions of people aren't the real world. In the real world, I actually support trans people. That's what he said. Live your best life. Do whatever you want. Have whatever pronouns you want, but lose the cocks, ladies. That's his kind of humor. And so it's just this interesting notion that in the real world, oh, but in the real world, I support you and I support your rights, but I'm going to totally dehumanize you and throw around really crass humor about genitals and toilets and whether or not you're a real woman. And he throws around the term turf and, you know, clearly is in the JK Rowling camp, but more so because she hasn't been as blatant in that kind of, and yes, he has every, again, 
I don't can't, I don't have the power to cancel him. <laughs> you know, I don't have any power. I don't think anybody on the planet has any power to cancel him. He's doing fine. He's just lost me and he's lost a lot of people with that humor. I don't think if he had a transgender child that he would be, would want to be part of humor like that. So he's a pretty, it's pretty cut and dried with him. Like he is not a friend of the trans community or anyone who's a trans ally. And I'd have a hard time. I'd be curious to hear how anyone would reconcile that if they follow and love Ricky Gervais and his humor. And he's saying things like that, how they would actually be able to also consider themselves a transgender ally. Any thoughts? I mean, I think there's an interest. I think what you just said raises a an interesting question that leaves all of us susceptible in some ways of like, where do you draw that line of like, if you consume this media or if you're still a fan of this person, then you are not an ally or you are not a true member of the community or whatever it might be. And I, I, I don't know that there's an easy answer to that because I think a lot of us probably have, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm speaking for myself, but I think a lot of us probably whether it's a musician or a TV show or a comedian or whoever it might be. I mean, there's probably someone who has been canceled who, you know, we might still listen to, or we might still consume that media. And I, and I think that's an interesting tension that, that a lot of us have to grapple with. And there's not, I agree. And I think it's each person's choice. And it's funny you say that, Jackie, because that reminds me of one of the things that Bill and I were talking about yesterday on our hike or whenever we were talking about this on the hike about, like, for instance, country music. I will admit I like some country music, you know, but a situation like this for people who already have a bad taste in their mouth about country music probably think, well, we should just have nothing to do with anybody in country music. Anybody who likes it can't be... But what happened was this other country music artist, Marin Morris, called out Brittany Aldine and blasted her on her social media and basically said, LGBTQ fans, there is a place in country music for you. There's a place for everyone. She said she totally criticized Brittany Aldine's post. And, and also after she stood up for trans kids, she created who was it? Fox News called Marin Morris a lunatic country music person because she supported trans kids and stood out against or spoke out against Brittany Aldine. And so she ended up putting that slogan on a t-shirt and raised $100,000 for trans organizations in one day. So to your point, Jackie, I mean, I know this is not exactly what you're saying, but like, I'm not going to throw out all of country music. I'm still going to say I'm a trans ally and I I like country music and I'm going to keep it. Certainly people People like Maren Morris, now I want to listen to her music, you know. But each of us has to make that choice for ourselves. There are probably some other people who didn't like country music and who don't like it even more and who are going to dislike people who like country music even more. But I don't think that's where we should take this. I think that's taking it too far. That's like reverse canceling. Right. You're, uncan- you're uncanceling. Even though Marin there's no Morris. such thing as <laughs> right. reverse racism and those kinds of things. But right. Or do you, do you still watch Bill Maher? No, hell no. He had a he had a total transphobe on a, a woman who completely spread misinformation about trans kids. That we I was done with him after that. But if but you still watch Dad, it's okay. We still we still watch sometimes, but we've yeah. noticed that he seems to have turned into one of those people that says, "Well, I'm in the middle. I'm a moderate." At the same time, he's taking all these new stands that he didn't used to take about things like gender and also things like kids having jobs. I mean, he's really on the the snowflake bandwagon thinking everybody should bust their ass and bring themselves up by their bootstraps, you know, just like he did. And uh, his guests are totally different these days. He really has different guests on. They're very conservative, very edgy opinions that find agreeing less and less, but also like solidify, you know, watching it sort of solidifying our viewpoints about how we feel strongly about these things, like like the transgender rights and, and equal rights for everybody. And uh, it's interesting how these shows like his are sort of in the process of trying to take that away from everybody by making a, a different strata of people that they don't work hard, they don't want to contribute to the overall 
capitalist society, you know, and, and pretty much everyone he has on is a pretty avowed capitalist that's doing well because they just sold a hundred thousand books about why there are snowflakes, you know? So, uh, I, you know, I take him with a grain of salt these days. He still says some funny things and he's One still mile. very, uh, anti-Trump, which I like, you know, not everybody likes people who are anti-Trump, but, uh, you know, I like that part of what he says, and he's fighting for the Democrats to win in as many elections as they can. And he gets very specific about that, you know, certain races that they should like. He, he talks about the race with Dr. Oz in it and how bad Dr. Oz is and what a fraud he is and things like that. And I, I do like that part of it. So he's the same type of thing. You know, uh, I, I don't have any problem with anybody canceling him. I understand it more by listening to him. And I don't have a problem with you watching him. So I'm really glad that you raised this, Jackie, because this is part of the myth that's out there that we're like, you can't be an ally. You can't be part of our community if you're watching this person or if you're if you're patronizing this establishment. I'm choosing not to watch Bill Maher because, you know, we had a big discussion in my support in our family support group when the episode with the horribly transphobic woman who came on and gave all kinds of misinformation about trans kids and and about detransitioning and just totally false. And he egged her on and he supported her and he allowed that information. You know, so we had this whole conversation about how we were all just not going to support or watch Bill Maher anymore. And I'm happy with that. And I'm happy that we all informed each other as a group. And at the same time, I'm perfectly fine with my dad continuing to watch him. He's in a different I really respect and love that my parents expose themselves to so much information. They have a little more time as retired people, you know, which is great because I can always ask what's going on with this. He's the one who we wouldn't be having this conversation. My, this whole conversation, this whole topic was my dad's idea. That's why we're sitting here talking about it. Right. So I'm really glad he's watching all these things he chooses to watch, whether or not they're supportive of our agenda. It makes him more informed. And I'm not saying he has to, I don't think he can cancel anybody because I agree with his view on on that. But I'm not saying he can't or can listen to anybody that I choose to or don't choose to. That's not our message here. I want to make that clear. It's that let's talk about the realities of these situations. Let's talk about the harm that's being done. Let's talk about really mindfully choosing what we're consuming and who we're supporting and where we're putting our dollars and whose shows. I mean, yeah, you know, I watched The Closer, I think three times now because I wanted to be really sure about what Dave Chappelle actually said. And I think you said to me at one point, Jackie, like, don't watch it because that's another view he's getting. I'm like, I know. Wow, this person watched it three times. I know. She must be a real fan, right? Like, I'm conflicted, but I have to watch it because I want to get it right when I speak out against him. You know, that I don't misquote him. So it's complicated. Good question, Jackie. Good uh, issue to raise there. And that's not what we're saying. You are welcome to be an ally with us if you want to be. And we will hear you out and we'll consider your take on things and what you believe about the media you're consuming and the messages you're putting out. We can always have a conversation. And Jackie, I know you're always up for a conversation with anybody about all of it, right? And I think it's so subjective to like who believes that someone has been canceled because like I listen to Love It or Leave It, which is like this guy, John Lovett, who was a speechwriter for Hillary Clinton and Obama. And he has a podcast now and he's a comedian and he's really funny. And I learned that apparently some people have canceled him for some arbitrary, to me, petty (laughs) arbitrary things, but I don't, I, I didn't even know that. So that really, I don't know. It's, it's it's interesting too. There's there's very insular, and I think it's an online thing in particular. Is that there's mm-hmm. these very niche insular communities of people who you might be canceled amongst a group <laughs> of a hundred people who share a Discord or something like that, but nobody else right. knows that you're canceled. Like there's, um, it's it's very compartmentalized, and and I think the you know, we, we always come back to the social media companies because that's where people are getting a lot of this content. And I think it's worth mentioning that we get show, they show us two types of content, content that we agree with and content that makes us angry. And so, you know, you're, you're always going to be either getting things that you're like, yeah, I agree with that person or something where you're like that person, like I 
they're the worst, you know? So wait, you're saying they intentionally show us content to inflame us that they know we disagree with? I, I don't know if I knew that. I mean, again, it's all very opaque and there's lots of speculation on what they do or don't do, but I, I'll leave people to do their own reading on this. There's been a lot of speculation and analysis mm. on how the algorithms work, but the one thing that they definitely do is they show things, they show us things that we agree with. That's yeah. the biggest thing. There have mm. been some examples of algorithms seeming to show people things that they disagree with to get reactions. But I think that's a little bit more iffy. You know, it's interesting because there have been a few times, I know I said earlier that we, Facebook and Instagram won't let us do ads, which is by and large true and has been true for a while now. We're having a really hard time, but a few times our ads have gotten through and I always select like, you know, very careful targeting, but we still get so much hate and people saying, and even if we don't do ads, I think it's more from like, we don't do ads. It's still their algorithm of who's seeing it. Right. And we get so much hate and I'm like, why are they showing this to people who are hating on us so fiercely and writing comments that are so evil and cruel? So now I'm wondering, maybe there is something to that. I don't know, but I think we should all watch for that and and be curious about that and question that because they're not, certainly with our content, they're not doing a good job of making sure it doesn't get to people who really hate us and have, I mean, we've, we've had death threats and we've, you know, been told all kinds of things on social media when people just see a simple transgender school post. Yeah. So just to circle back to the point about the angry content, uh, the thought that I had in my head was about, there was a 2021 report in the Washington Post titled five points for anger, one for a like how Facebook's formula fostered rage Mm. and misinformation. (laughs) And it basically, it's it's a good report. It came out October 26, 2021 in the Washington Post by Jeremy Merrill and Will Omeris. Um, so you can look that up, but it just talks about how the, the emoji reactions when Facebook came out with those, like the love and the wow and mm-hmm. the crying and the, uh, the angry, those were given five points in the algorithm as opposed to one point for a like. So oh, interesting. If, you, if you love something, it gets boosted but if something makes you angry, it also gets boosted. Ah, um, so that interesting. Was, that was the that was the thought that I had. Was I think, I think there's a I, I think there's a term for that called churning. You know, if nothing's happening, nobody's making any money. But as long as there's action going on, they're mm-hmm. selling ads. People are watching. People are looking. So if they make you angry, you're more likely to type something or get involved. Well, if you're happy with, with just happy with something, you know, you'll just go to the next thing. <laughs> and I think the key takeaway there is that if you react angrily to something, Facebook is then more likely to show it to someone who will like it as well. So you're you are <laughs> right. helping by reacting angrily right. to that content. You are then right. helping it get into the feed of people who will go, oh, yeah. I, I agree with right. that. And then they'll love it. Right. That's why I try to delete the hateful posts as quick as I can, because I know someone else is going to come into our defense and then it's just going to be a back and forth. And of course, the algorithm probably loves that. Right. It is a trap, though, because, you know, because of where I went to high school a long time ago, a lot of those old people that were my friends in high school, they're sort of some of them are Facebook friends now. And some of the stuff they post, I really disagree with. I mean, it makes me angry. (laughs) But I know if I type a single word, I'm going to be covered every day with stuff in my inbox. And then I'm going to start getting emails because you get an email when people say something about what you said on Facebook. So I don't say anything, but uh, I can understand how people would look at things that, that, that are there, just disagree with them and act, you know, and get involved. There was one example that I wanted to bring up that was not in our show notes, kind of the mother of all people who have been canceled or not been canceled or had consequences or not had consequences, it's kind of unclear, is Alex Jones, who was <laughs> recently, you know, found guilty by default for refusing to for, for refusing to participate in the discovery process in the first of several civil lawsuits that have been brought against him by the parents of the children who were killed at Sandy Hook Elementary School. He This lawsuit is because he, on his show, falsely claimed 
that the children were not really killed, that they were crisis actors, that parents were crisis actors, that the whole thing was fake. He has refused to take responsibility for that. He, you know, to your point, Bill, about the First Amendment and kind of the freedoms that we have in America, he he pushed the boundaries even beyond those to the point of saying things that are really against the law because they're so so blatantly untrue. And so I think it's interesting to see the ways in which our legal system and our society and private entities have tried to inflict consequences on him and the ways in which that has or hasn't worked. Like, for example, he, I forget what year it was, but he got taken off of all the major online platforms. He got taken off of Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. They all booted him. And what he even talked about this in a recent interview. What happened was he lost a lot of his audience when that happened but he didn't lose income. He actually did better income wise because his audience shrank, but he gained a more fervent base. He gained a group of people that was a lot more passionate about their support for him and a lot more willing to buy his supplements and donate to his crazy fraudulent campaigns. And then you have an interesting example of someone who has amassed so much wealth. I mean, you know, it's it's impossible to estimate exactly what he's worth, but he's probably worth over a hundred million dollars and has almost certainly squirreled it away in every crazy financial device possible. He's probably got like offshore bank accounts and gold and Bitcoin and lots of things that it's going to be really, really hard for the government to get a hold of and to make him actually pay the tens of millions of dollars that that he owes these families now based on these legal judgments. And so he is a great example of someone who maybe one day will have real consequences for the things he has said, but not, not yet, not so far. So. And did you say, Jackie, I don't know if I missed it, just, I mean, probably everyone knows, but that he, he outright lied. He lied and said that the children were actors and they weren't actually killed and traumatized the families. Obviously, I'm not a lawyer, but my understanding is that one of the key things is you have to prove someone's intent and you have to prove that they know, they knew what they were saying. But didn't false. he admit it? That and, he knew it he, wasn't there, true? There were some texts. There were apparently text messages. I didn't follow the case super closely, but this was where his phone and the texts became a big thing because apparently there were text messages where he more or less admitted that he knew that that was not true. And that's, um, I think, a big part of why he was found guilty. Yeah. But But again, he's completely refused to participate in that process, refused to disclose his assets and all of those things. And mm-hmm. and given how easy our society in America makes it to hide money and to squirrel it away and to move it places where, where the government can't get it, it's hard to imagine that his, his day-to-day life um, will, will change, that he will face consequences, that he will really feel in a substantial way, unless he is involved in the criminal justice system somehow. But just saying things is, that's, I mean, unless you're like threatening someone's life, you know, you can say things that are libelous and you can do all these other things, but it's, you're going to get in civil court. So I, I don't know. He's, he walks a very interesting line and gets away with a lot. That's a, actually a great segue into kind of summarizing that a lot of this is about canceling is not real. No one's actually being canceled. If anybody's being canceled, it's trans people. Because if you look at the def or what these other folks are trying to do, if you look at the definition is to destroy, to bring to nothingness, to make obsolete, right? That's what the most of the ultra conservatives want to do is say that being trans is not even real, right? Nobody who still has millions and billions of dollars and millions of fans has been canceled, has been destroyed or made obsolete. They're just losing their fans who are allies and gaining fans who are haters. Sorry, but let's call a spade a spade, right? A lot of this, what I'm taking from all this now that we've had the conversation is that we're being manipulated. People are trying to prey on our emotions and our confusion about what the real issues are. And being told that people are canceled creates this idea that we should feel pity for them or we should 
protect and defend their free speech because it's being taken away, but it's not. They can say whatever they want. Dave Chappelle can say whatever he wants. I'm not even saying he can't, but I also get to go to a protest where I got to speak to the nice CNN reporter who I didn't know who he was, but my parents knew who he was when I was, <laughs> when they caught me at the at Netflix protest and the nice CNN reporter said, you know, why are you here? And I said, I'm not here because of the jokes. I'm just here because he keeps saying gender is a fact and that creates this certain impression. I get to do that just as much as he gets to stand up and make $20 million. I'm not canceling him, right? So let's not be manipulated by words and ideas that make things seem like something they are not. Those are my, my I final thoughts. I couldn't agree more. And I will, I, the <laughs> only final thought I will offer is I agree there is no such thing as canceling. There are only consequences. And I, and I think it's important to highlight the drastic disparities and consequences that people face for doing very similar things. Like the example that I just have to highlight is like people like Edward Snowden and Chelsea Manning, who, in my opinion, did heroic things by leaking information that was completely illegal to leak, but exposed some pretty bad things that our federal government was doing while Chelsea Manning spent a long time in jail. Edward Snowden will never be able to come back to the United States for the rest of his life. Donald Trump gets to take boxes and boxes full of top secret classified information to his <laughs> resort at Mar-a-Lago, and he is still perfectly fine and will likely not face actual legal consequences. So example after example, but I think that's a, maybe a good one to end on. Yep, absolutely. Dad, any uh, final words? Yeah, I'll throw in uh, one more thing. By the way, the classified documents, there was... Some woman, I think her name was Reality Winner, that went to jail yeah, for five years example. for one classified document that she yep. wasn't supposed to expose. Anyway, I'll say one thing. It's it's not really cancel culture. It's about the book thing. It was something I read about what Stephen King said. He surprisingly said he wasn't that upset with all these conservative school boards and libraries you know, taking the books out like Catcher in the Rye or things like that. And uh, he said the reason why is because they're doing you a favor. As soon as they take one of those books out, your job is to go buy it and read it immediately because that's what you should be listening to. So cancel culture isn't real, but the discussion of it can help us decide what we want to support and not support and what is really going on in the real world. So thanks, cancel culture, for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well good, put, good Dad. Good on. Yes, yes. Excellent points. I really enjoyed the conversation with you, Jackie, and Dad, and learned a lot from you, as always. Thanks for coming on, Dad. Thanks for the idea for this topic. <laughs> and thank you, Jackie. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And please make sure to check out our Patreon membership where we have lots of exclusive videos and early release videos and lots more. Please uh, check out our How to Be an Ally video. I would love for Dave Chappelle to watch that 90-minute video. If anybody can get it to him, it's only $10, and we know he can afford that. We'll give it to him for free if he's willing to watch it, How to Be an Ally. It's not going to be consistent with the things he's saying, but you know, it could show us that he's at least trying. So thanks, everybody. We will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to our Transgender School podcast. We hope you learned something new and that you're inspired to learn more. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And please be sure to check out our website, transgenderschool.org. You'll find many valuable resources there, including news about upcoming courses we'll be teaching. Make sure to join us for future podcast episodes. We'll catch you on the first Tuesday of every month. 